0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your baseball is being played in a pandemic home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue and we are going back to our series by series looks at what the Cubs are doing since it looks like we actually have baseball right now. My name is Sarah Sanchez and I write about baseball and pandemic baseball for Bleed Cubby Blue.
1: Hey, guys, I'm Andy Cruz-Vanisek, and I am very happy to still be discussing baseball with you, although people are trying to prevent that. Yeah,
0: like, and by some people, Andy means the Cardinals. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's just, just be... ju- jump right in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's do, let's do it, though, because, look. Apparently, there are "quote unquote" more positive Cardinals tests. They wanted to retest some tests that they say are un- inconclusive, so we don't actually know what "more" means right now. I believe the last official number we have is three players. Right? Am I correct about that?
1: Um, so I've I've gotten a couple different things um, sent to me. The last, well, the last thing that I read was um, three players, one staff, and then I heard the next. I guess the next day was three staff, one player, but those tests were inconclusive. Then yesterday, those tests came back positive and they got more inconclusive tests. So I don't know. I'm kind of trying to check the the news waves here on the St. Louis Cardinals because I feel like there's going to be a whole gaggle more that are probably released today because pretty much everything that has come up inconclusive has come back positive then.
0: Yeah, and, and I want to be really clear about this because we weren't sure where this outbreak had come from in the last episode. And we sort of hedged a bit on the benefit of the doubt thing. Like, this is one thing. If it's players going out and behaving irresponsibly, it's a different thing entirely if it's just incidental. And, you know, because we all live in a world where your risk of catching COVID-19 is a lot higher right now. But as more information came out over the weekend, it looks pretty clear that at least some Cardinals players were behaving in ways that do not align with MLB's health and safety protocols, let me just put it that way. And at this point, between the Marlins and the Cardinals, seven teams have had their schedules impacted by two teams having positive tests on them. And that is just wild to me. I mean, I'm just going to break down a couple of these, Andy, and then I want your reaction. The Phillies have had zero player positives. They've been off for a week they're finally going to play again tonight against the Yankees. It has been an entire week. The Marlins have played three games total, three. They have not played since the 26th of July. To put this in perspective, the Cubs had a rainout and they've played nine games. The Marlins are currently not scheduled to play again until at least Friday. They're postponed until the 7th of August. I don't even know how you make that up. And if the Cardinals find themselves in a similar situation, That is going to have ripple effects all throughout the NL Central. For those of you who have not looked ahead on the Cubs schedule, the Cubs are going to play two games against the Kansas City Royals at Wrigley Field starting on Monday night. They're going to then go to Kansas City for two games against the Royals. And Friday, they are supposed to be playing in St. Louis. So it's highly possible this could ripple into the Cubs schedule as well. I just – Andy, what is your reaction to all of this?
1: Well – I mean, and like you said, you know, I definitely came out with some stuff that I live in St. Louis. Please don't forget that. There's people all over the place that are happy to tell you things about the professional um, athletes here in this town. There's people that make a living off of just talking about what the professional athletes in this town do. So don't get it twisted. I actually know what I'm talking about when I say things for certain. When I'm vague, that's on purpose. Um, you know, it. There's gonna every team is going to have somebody that is going to come down with symptoms or an inconclusive test or um, maybe not feel well one day. I mean, Chris Bryant is in that situation right now, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Um, But there is a difference between that and contracting it in a, a completely day to day type way, just unknowingly being exposed to someone that they may come across in their day-to-day activities, meaning leaving the hotel, going to the hotel, grabbing food, going, taking it back to the hotel, things like that. It's very easy. This thing is spreading like wildfire. That part is not – I'm not trying to say that people are being irresponsible, irresponsible by doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. There is a difference between what some of the Cardinals players – have done, and I don't know who. I mean, I know I. I have an idea who I know one for certain, and what other teams are doing. Protocol is you don't go out nightlife, you don't go out to social events. You 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 stay socially distanced. You mask when you're in public, even in the dugouts. They're supposed to mask on the field. They're supposed to mask, um, or they're they're you know um, encouraged to mask. So. What we're hearing some of the Cardinals players did is extremely irresponsible. It's putting a lot of people in danger. A lot of people, their teammates, the staff they work with, that let's keep in mind, many times staff is not of prime age. We're talking about older gentlemen that have been have been played in the league many years ago and now are a coach or a trainer or somebody else that are older and probably a little bit more at risk than these young bucks who think they're invincible. It just to me it's really frustrating when it's this is preventable. I mean, they gave you the protocols. Yes, like I said, it's possible that you pick it up in some random way. That's a one-off situation. And if you're following protocol and you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing, that's an extremely one-off situation. But to act recklessly and act carelessly and put yourself in a crowded bar where the dance floor is packed, no one is masking, no one is aware of all the different things, all the different ways that, you know, COVID could be transferred in a bar atmosphere and just throwing yourself into that situation. That is just complete carelessness. That is lack of regard for the the things that you agreed to do to be playing baseball right now. So, yeah, I mean, I hope at some point um, there is an MLB investigation done on the Cardinals. There was one done on the Marlins and I hope they figure out who was the one that was doing all this. I had heard, and I know this was put out there in a tweet by somebody um, pretty reputable, um, and I did try to find it right before we got on, I, hopefully I'll find it before the end, that there was a, um, a very well-known player on the Cardinals that basically came out to the younger guys and said, if you guys screw this up, if you guys ruin this for me, I will have you cut. and um, uh, yeah, my husband kind of joked and he was like, well, I can tell you two people who I would guess would have act that way. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, both established Cardinals players have very good repertoire with the front office. And how much more baseball do they actually have left in their careers? If you ruin this season for them, where does that put them? So, right. you know, I mean, these are all things to think about. It's definitely something, you know, I'm frustrated in the sense that the Cubs are supposed to play these guys this weekend. And if they don't, those games get suspended or postponed or whatever, which they should. The Cardinals should be shut down for at least a week. Um, I mean, where does that put the Cubs? You know, they're rolling right now. They are playing good baseball. It hurts the rotation. It hurts the guys' daily routines to go playing full speed ahead, full bore, than to have three days off. I mean, it just, Absolutely. you know, yeah, it, it, it's tough, and it's hard to not be frustrated.
0: Uh, yeah, I want to reach, like reiterate what you were just saying about how this could hurt the Cubs and their momentum going into St. Louis. But beyond that, I was actually kind of stunned that the Cardinals had these problems, given the presence of guys like Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, because I felt like they're the types of players who you would think would have a strong handle on that clubhouse. And look, everybody, like MLB's health and safety protocols are only as strong as the weakest link. And by that, I mean, each team is basically set up to manage themselves. So all it takes is one person who doesn't Believe in the management structure of the team or doesn't take the virus seriously to infect an entire clubhouse. I mean, I think this is part of what happened in Miami, if I'm being honest. I don't think that there was a very strong clubhouse presence. I don't know why Don Mattingly didn't get a handle on his younger players, but he clearly didn't. And now we have this situation where the Marlins like literally can't feel the team (laughs) uh, and haven't been able to for two weeks now, and they're kind of scrambling to figure out what's going on there. But I just didn't think the Cardinals would have that same type of problem. Because they do have such a strong veteran presence. I mean, look, I give Cardinals fans a lot of grief over Yadier Molina and his sticky chest protector and his like, probably not really a first ballot Hall of Famer unless you live in St. Louis situation. I'm sure I'm going to get some blowback for that one. Um, But For all of that, that man is a leader. He's a team leader. Everybody thinks he's going to be a manager someday. Everybody thinks he's got a strong handle on that clubhouse. And so the idea that the Cardinals would have a situation like this in one of what could be his last seasons is just mind-blowing to me. Do not expect that from a franchise that is as established and mature as the St. Louis Cardinals. And yet we find ourselves in this situation where – they're hanging out in a hotel in Milwaukee. <laughs> I mean, Jack Flaherty was like tweeting out photos of the view from his hotel room, looking longingly
1: at the outside. <laughs> and I was just like, I—I I mean, it's funny, but it's not. Did you also see what Jack Flaherty turned his um, his bed into? Did no. you see that picture? So I now follow Jack Flaherty. I have become a fan of him um, for many yeah, reasons. Yeah, he's a great follow. Yes, for <laughs> many reasons. He actually t- took his hotel bed mattress, put it up against the wall, and I I don't know if he was actually throwing against it, but he his caption was something like, don't want to be like Joe Kelly and Miss. So... um <laughs> Oh, now I get it. Now when I said it out loud, I get it. He doesn't want to miss. Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. Okay, I'm. I got you, Jack. I got you, Jack. But, wow. It, listen, how how much talking Sarah and I did last night, and then this today. I'm like, I I'm a little like, I feel like my brain is kind of sloshing around in my head right now. So forgive me for that. But um, yeah. Now I get it. Okay. So, but he I, apparently there's a number of pitchers that have been doing this that have been like turning their their room into um, like a backstop, I guess. So he can throw, but I don't know how that room would be big enough to do that. Anyways, I don't know, but that's what he, that's what he's saying that this is what I've resorted to. And then also I want to share one more thing that I saw on Instagram. Dexter Fowler shared a really cute picture of he and his wife. And he said, Um, the wife has been receiving a lot of jailhouse tweets today or a lot of jailhouse texts today. If you know, you know, so I don't know, (laughs) use your imagination when you think about what would be tweeted from a jailhouse or what would be texted from a jailhouse. But, um, yeah, I think that's kind of, it's kind of cute and it kind of gives you, um, the frame of mind of the Cardinals players, the ones that probably were following protocol very closely and are probably a little peeved that they can't be playing baseball right now.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I can't even imagine how furious some of the teammates that were behaving responsibly must feel right now. And frankly, like I'm going to be really interested in what, if any, repercussions there are for some of these players because it's not like the Cardinals hesitate to discipline their own people. So I'm keeping a close eye on that. A couple interesting things here. So MLB claims that... The lack of positives on the Phillies proves that there's no team-to-team transmission just through games. I think that is optimistic at best. I think that they got pretty lucky in the Phillies situation. I'm still kind of stunned that the Twins, who played the Cardinals while there were positive players on the Cardinals, uh, seem to just be playing right along their schedule. Like, And there have been no positive tests on the Twins. I suppose it is possible that the players who are implicated – on the Cardinals weren't on the field or something like that. And so they think there's less of a risk there, but MLB has not been particularly transparent about its rationale or reasoning here. And so a lot of people who are writing about baseball, tweeting about baseball, covering baseball, watching these games, just have a ton of questions. And I, I think that MLB could go a long way to just explaining its rationale on some of these things, right? Like saying, look, we shut the Phillies down because the following Uh, position players were in close close proximity and so we wanted to be sure or we didn't shut the twins down because so-and-so was the positive case and they weren't supposed to pitch. So they weren't even on the field. So it didn't seem like there could have been transmission, but it's weird that they don't seem to have a uniform way of making the decisions about which teams get shut down and which teams do not.
1: Well, to me, that, that tells me a, a pretty large, um, possibility of why that is, is is simply because if they're transparent, then um, there's going to be a lot more blame placed on them as running this into the ground. Because, you know, then we know the actual behind the scenes protocols on how this thing is handled and why some teams are getting tested. And some teams that were involved or close to um, teams that were testing positive are not like, to me, it just seems very logical that, you know, like the twins would have had to been held out of their games until everybody gets tested multiple times, because otherwise now you're looking at, you know, we start getting positives from the twins and then they're who they're playing had no choice and whether or not they were exposed. So, I mean, that's, that's when this thing gets out of control and you have to shut it down. I just think that, you know, they're by design being very vague with the the general public with the media and everybody else, because, you know, then they become the ones to blame. Then they become the ones at fault, which if you ask me, there's already plenty of blame to go around and definitely some for them too. Um, You know, I just, I I think all in all from, from go, it could have been handled a lot better on how this was going to happen. And we should have been more prepared for a situation like this and how this works and how you, you know, reformat a schedule so that the teams that aren't exposed and aren't infected are not you know, basically are not penalized for that. And I feel like a team like the Cubs could be, you know, I mean, they, they've following protocols and they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing. They haven't had any positive tests and they very well could be punished, you know? I mean, and that's, that's not on them. That shouldn't be on them. There should be a way to configure the schedule so that, you know, they can work in some games somehow.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head that they're being vague on purpose because it gives them flexibility. Jeff Passan at ESPN had a great piece on Friday that, that basically said that. I mean, if you get down, I think it's in the middle part of the article, that that would that if they were more specific about some of these protocols, it would hamstring the flexibility of the commissioner in responding. And yikes, like transparency with their, with your protocols is how you keep people safe and reassure people. That you have a system that is going to keep them safe. It's it's bad to err on the side of commissioner flexibility there. But I, the other thing that I thought was really interesting about this piece was the sort of, uh, I will turn this car around attitude from the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, who said... <laughs> Uh, To the MLB Players Association executive director, Tony Clark, that, quote, unquote, if the sport doesn't do a better job of managing the coronavirus, it could be shut down for the season. And I'm like, the sport as in the sport you run? Like, (laughs) 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 whose job is it to do this? If it's not the commissioner of baseballs, I don't. Come on. Come on. Yeah. What are we even doing here? This is like, well, I don't know might need to just look at those protocols on in Miami. Buddy, they're your protocols. It's your rules. Like you're the person responsible for figuring out if they're being done correctly or not. The sport needs to do a better job of managing. I just, oh, I almost lost it on that.
1: Listen, I, I tweeted this the other day and I thought this was kind of funny and I, I'm gonna use this all the time now, but um, adult men accountability, those words go together. <laughs> like, let's Let's try this. Should we? Should we try this? I mean, it starts at the top. And, you know, if you don't know that as the commissioner of Major League Baseball, then you shouldn't be in that role at all. And, you, you know, I mean, there's other leagues, other professional leagues that are not run the best, but at least you hear the their commissioner saying it starts at the top. Like, that's that's where it starts. And, and Rob Manfred, Manfred, whatever his name is, the guy who hates baseball, who runs baseball, <laughs> needs to learn the word accountability and, and, and start there. And maybe he can expect other people to follow suit.
0: Yeah, I agree with that completely. Uh, Let's actually talk about baseball because there's been Cubs baseball and it has been pretty good. As Andy intimated earlier in the conversation, Chris Bryant has missed two games. He is out with gastrointestinal issues and they uh, wanted to get some more coronavirus information from him out of an abundance of caution, so uh, while it is generally a respiratory virus, there are known cases where people have had GI issues, so they wanted to make sure that he got all the testing that he needed. All of his tests have come back negative, and we just hope Chris gets better soon. Um, he's been struggling a little bit at the plate, but let's be quite clear, he's like the only person struggling <laughs> at the plate. Okay, that's not true, it's like him, Jason Hayward, and Maybe Fegley, Like, I don't know. Like, those are like the only people struggling at the plate right now. We're going to talk about the Cubs-Bats in a minute. But they're fresh off a sweep of the Pirates. And this team looks like they are rolling. The 7-2 and two start this season is so much better than the 2-7 start from last season. And everybody who said you have to get off to a hot start – in this sprint, Well, it looks like the Cubs took that one to heart. What do you think about the Cubs so far? Andy?
1: Listen, I am beyond peeved about this. Like this peeved is my word today. Clearly it's a (laughs) Monday and I am peeved. Although I'm a happy peeved, I will say that because there are far worse things I could be complaining about. I am peeved because ESPN major league baseball just came out with their power rankings. And this is an absolute joke. I understand that the Chicago Cubs weren't playing Houston and L.A. these series, but they came out and they won their first three series. They're seven and two. They have the best record in major in national league right now. And their power ranked at number five. I mean, this is a freaking joke. They're behind the Padres. I mean, what? Come on. This is, I get it. Their bullpen is kind of, kind of scary. It is, you know, but. (laughs) I <laughs> we, we can put together a small list of people that made it work and got the job done because obviously they've only lost seven. They've only lost two games out of nine. That's, you know, that's a very small sample size, but for a 60 game season, you know, we're, we're on our way guys. I mean, and, As far as I'm concerned, this is, this is a fantastic start. This is what you need. And you, you know, obviously they're going to hit lulls. I mean, a baseball is going to baseball. That's, that's how it works. But when you start off seven and two, that's got everyone's confidence going, except for maybe a couple people in the bullpen. It's got, you know, people knowing that even without your couple of your good hitters, people in your lineup on an everyday basis, not hitting, you can still win ball games. And, I mean I'm not going to lie, I don't know who that starter starting pitcher was for the Pittsburgh yesterday, but if we could go ahead and grab him up, that would be perfect.
0: Um uh, Oh my goodness. He's not Actually a starter. That I know. was an opener situation. So yeah. he'd be great in the bullpen. <laughs> th- th-
1: thank you. That's <laughs> kind of where I was going with that.
0: <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to like. I didn't mean to like No, miss you, the point there. No,
1: <laughs> you're good. I need yeah. more coffee. As soon, as soon as they said, you know, he's an opener, I was like, well, that means that he's actually a closer then. So let's get him. <laughs> like, let's let's make this happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with what we're seeing so far. I am not naive to the fact that we are going to see some struggles. Um, we've seen some struggles. Um, I, I don't mean to keep bashing the bullpen, but offensively... Too, not do it. Our- <laughs> Let's do it. I want to talk about Craig Kimbrell and why he should never close a Cubs game again. <laughs> well, that and I just wanted to say our situational hitting definitely came around a little bit more in the last couple games that we've watched, but there during the Red series, it was a little a little scary. So, um, But yeah, I mean, our bullpen, Craig Kimbrell is a definite concern. Um, and the the really scary thing about this is, it's not just it, it's not like it's just this season. Now, granted, I will say, and I'm going to give him this because this does suck for him. He has not gotten a normal start to a, a regular season with the Chicago Cubs. He didn't start until basically the same time last year because um, of holding out whatever. The Cubs didn't want to give him money and he didn't want to sign a contract. And that wasn't just the Cubs. There was other teams too, I guess. Um, so he had a, a weird season last season and he struggled. I mean, he had definite control issues and he gave up the long ball quite a bit, which was alarming. um He, I think I read with the Cubs, he's giving up he's given up like seven home runs in like 25 innings. And before that he had given up one in like four, 542 innings or something ridiculous like that. I mean, that's insane. And there's definitely something there. I mean, there's obviously a concern there. And now this year with this weird season, he's again, showing control issues. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is. If it's, you know, something where John Baker needs to get involved and, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's already in on this. I'm sure this is something that, you know, it can't just be a head thing. I mean, there's got to be something more there. He's throwing extremely fast. I mean, we saw him top out at like 98, I think. Um, but that also means when you're throwing that fast and you don't have movement on it or you're tipping your pitch or it's it's not breaking like it's supposed to, a, a, a hitter gets around on that ball and you're doing all the work for them. That ball's going to go 500 feet based on the power alone that you're throwing at 97, 98 miles an hour. You know, I mean... Yeah, the, I, it's definitely a concern.
0: The two things that have me most concerned about Kimbrel, and I haven't seen any evidence that he's tipping his pitches, but I think that something's up either in terms of his arm slot or his release point or something, because he's gotten no swings and misses on his curveball this season. Not Like the only strikes that he's gotten on his curveball have been called strikes. And that tells me that players can identify it. And if they can see the curveball coming, then they can sit on that fastball and they're sitting on 97, 98 and just turning on it and depositing it in the bleachers. I he got out of the game that was not a safe situation, the second game against the Pirates um, after giving up two home runs, but every every ball the Pirates connected with in that frame, was a hard hit ball, like just absolutely scorched. Right. And two of them wound up being home runs, two of them wound up being outs, but that's highly problematic. And if he can't get players to swing at that curve ball, the fastball is a lot less effective.
1: Well, and let's talk about this for a second too, because I found this very interesting. And I think you and I had talked about this several times about how the difference in managing this team was going to show itself early in the season because this is a fast start season if you remember or you think back and I kind of try to put myself in the shoes of like where we would have been this point last year, if this were a similar thing and like where this team would be with Joe Madden and how the bullpen would be managed. I actually appreciate the fact that David Ross did not make this an experiment the last two nights when they were close games. And we're still messing with a Kimbrel who is not quite there on his, on his control and being able to locate these pitches that he needs to locate and get the swing and miss stuff. And he's giving up home runs, but David Ross didn't mess with that. A win is a win. We got to get that W and he brought in guys that had been getting the job done. And previously I feel like Joe Madden had maybe pushed the issue a little bit too much and given up a couple games and try to get, Kimbrel's confidence back or not even necessarily just Kimbrel, but other bullpen arms trying to get people's confidence back and kind of pushing the issue and putting them in when, you know, there's still stuff that needs to be messed with and played with. And you don't want to risk a close game in the late innings. So I appreciate the fact that David Ross is showing really good confidence in Jeremy Jeffress. I love Jeremy Jeffress. If you have not went out to YouTube and watched the videos from opening day, you have to do that. Go to the Chicago Cubs account on YouTube. Look those up. You will fall in love with this dude. He is awesome. And I, I'm not like, it it, I, it it pained me to do this. I'm not going to lie. But I went back into his um, Twitter from when he was a Milwaukee Brewer. And his teammates all say the same thing, no matter where he's played. He is one of the best teammates. And you can tell. I mean, you can just tell, like, in the videos when he's he was catching a Craig Kimbrell, actually on opening day, they were warming up and he was just, I mean, he was extremely encouraging and like very supportive and like, just, you know, like, whoa, you know, Craig, I can't even play catch with you. Cause your ball moves everywhere. Like it just was very, you could just tell he's the kind of guy that you want on your team. And I think that's why I didn't like him when he was with Milwaukee. Cause I'm like, I want him to be a cub type thing. And now that he is like, I'm just so happy he's here and he's been put in great situations, where we've really tested his, his mental capacity to handle these pressure situations in close games and late innings. And he's he's come through and get, got the job done. So I like that David Ross is showing us this side of him already with the bullpen and managing the bullpen because it's something different than what we've seen before.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. In fact, we are well due for a break. So there's a lot more bullpen stuff to talk through. It's not all bad news. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress has certainly been a bright spot. There have been some other bright spots. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Cubs bullpen, the Cubs starting pitching and their bats. And like, spoiler alert, the bats are hot right now. But first, a quick break. All right, we are back. There are some bright spots in this bullpen. I count at least four pitchers who have not sucked. (laughs) Casey Sadler had one bad outing. He's had two really good outings. I am very impressed with his work. Rowan Wick uh, has been great. He was great last year, too. I actually think that him and Jeffress will probably be getting most of the saves going forward because I don't think you can give the ball to Kimbrel in that situation until whatever is going on with his curveball is figured out. Um, and Kyle Ryan has just quietly been that, you know, long middle guy that the Cubs have needed, that they're going to need in this season. And, and you know, like also honorable mention to Tapera, who has had his moments. Um, the bullpen has potential, but it's not, we need two or three more arms that Ross can count on in the bullpen right now. And I don't know where those are going to come from.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I'm going to beat this dead horse a little bit more. But, yeah, I, you really want to see people like Dylan Maples come through. Um, You know <sighs> – It's just, it's so frustrating because you know what we've seen from some of these guys and you know that it's there, that they can, that, you know, they can give us innings. They can give us solid relief appearances. It's just not coming together right now. The good, the good side of this, the bright spot on this is that our starters have been absolutely crazy. Um, which is good because that takes a little bit of the pressure off of the bullpen, as far as how many innings they have to account for who's going to go out for, you know, if there's any kind of middle relief situation or that sort of thing. I mean, the starters are like, we got it, you know, we got it. We're good. It's insane to me how this rotation has set up and how it's performed in in the sense that, you know, you have John Lester at four, you have Tyler Chatwood at three. I mean, honestly, honestly, I, I didn't really – I didn't expect this at all. Um, I, I really kind of felt like our pitching as a whole would be a concern other than um, the obvious, you know, Kyle Hendricks and, and you, Darvish. You you just know, knowing John Lester and his history, that he's going to put some solid starts together for you. It, it may not be in a row. It may – you know, there may be a couple rough innings in there. But he's he's a workhorse. I mean, he's going to go out and give you his – you know – of what he can give you every time. The question is, what can he give you? I mean, obviously he's an aging arm. He's, uh, am I right to say he's on the last year of his contract now with us? I think
0: there's an option. Okay. So if he performs well this year, I think it's a team option. I'd have to look that up which means that the Cubs could theoretically pick him up for one more year. Right, um,
1: right. Yeah, I think he's on an option year. Okay. So, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot a lot of things going on right now and especially Tyler Chatwood, he's on the last year of his contract. So, um, you know, I I'm I'm, I'm actually very impressed and pleasantly surprised with our starting rotation and they have definitely helped their bullpen out in the sense that they are taking as many innings as they can. We've gotten what all quality starts now. Uh, Yeah, I think each starting pitcher has a
0: quality start.
1: Yeah, so... There was
0: one bad Kyle Hendricks start there, I don't think was a quality start.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, out of nine games to have seven or eight quality starts, I'll take it. I will take it.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about um, Tyler Chatwood in particular a little bit. I was super bummed this morning to realize that I did not get Tyler Chatwood in my fantasy league. Cause I, that would have really helped me out a lot. Um, <laughs> but Tyler Chatwood has just looked kind of insane. Like he has been unbelievable lately. And this is the picture that the Cubs thought they were signing when they offered him that three-year deal, when he came out of Colorado, the stuff is filthy. And part of this is better framing from Wilson Contreras. Some of those calls that had been borderline, are now being called strikes. But frankly, I watched Tyler Chatwood miss a lot of pitches way outside of the zone, like no catcher in the land would have been able to help him. And he's just not doing that anymore. He's not walking people. He is striking people out. The stuff plays. If this Tyler Chatwood is for real, I would like to see the Cubs try to get a couple more years out of him because this is nuts.
1: He is just, he looks incredible. I mean, so his last start was um, the win against, Pittsburgh, where the Cubs won four to three. Um, He had 11 strikeouts. He tied a career high strikeouts. He only walked two and gave up three hits. His ERA right now is 0.71. Who would have thought two seasons ago that we would have, that we would be seeing this right now from Chatwood. Who would have thought that? I promise you not a single person. We all hoped it. We all really hoped it. But when we, when we watched him with his control issues and walking entire lineups I mean, there was definitely like, there's no way this guy can turn this around. Like, this just feels really, really wrong. Like, something is really off here. And to have him have the season he had last year where he was coming in in relief, which we all know he did not love, but he did it because he's a team player. He was coming in relief, coming in middle reliever, whatever. And he was having some great outings where his stuff was doing exactly what it's doing now. Now he's just able to go out there and like he pitched six and two thirds innings. I mean, that's insane. 11 strikeouts. That's that's phenomenal. I mean, that's definitely definitely the Chatwood that we hoped we were getting when we signed him. I'm just I'm just glad that he decided to show himself.
0: <laughs> well, so let me let me actually like put this in perspective. There, Tyler Chatwood has pitched 12.2 innings this season. His K per nine right now is 13.5. That puts him in a tie with Trevor Bauer. Uh, it's higher than Luis Castillo's K per nine. It's higher than Lance Lynn's. It's higher than you Darvish's, which is at 10.8 right now. The walk rate is 2.84 per nine. It's not great, but you can live with it. But the most impressive thing here is his ERA is 0.71 and his FIP is 0.99, which means he's only slightly performing better than you would think he would based on what he's throwing right now. The stuff is filthy and it plays. And if he can keep this up, I mean, he might be the best pitcher in the starting rotation. And I say that knowing what Kyle Hendricks and you, Darvish, can do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, this is a good problem to have. I'm not going to lie. Having your third, your third pitcher and your rotation pitch this way, he's definitely putting pressure on the the one and two spots of the rotation. And he's making sure that people around him know that he is working hard and doing his part and he's keeping the bar high. You know, this rotation looks great all the way from top to bottom. And you know, he's just trying to do his part. And I love that he has turned it around and he is who he is today because we needed that in in that three spot. And and he's been amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Props to Tyler Chatwood. I also want to spend some time talking about the Cubs bats because this is just nuts. Like I was playing around on fan graphs this morning. I, I, you know, the eye test is there. You can just tell that they're raking right now, but this blew me away. So for Cubs players who have at least 20 plate appearances at this point in time, which is slightly under the qualified mark on fangrafts, But I wanted to get a couple of these other guys who haven't quite hit 30 plate appearances in there. Uh, They have four players who have a WRC plus better than 175, which means that they're 75% or more better than the average hitter in the league. And they have six players who are better than 120. That's Crazy. Uh, Those players are top to bottom Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, David Bode, Anthony Rizzo, Kyle Schwarber, Javier Baez. Like that is an outstanding and just like brutal attack at the top of the lineup. And that's with Chris Bryant not really heating up yet, right? And I didn't even. Nico Horner's WRC plus is lower than 100. It's 87, but his numbers look really good. And what he's been doing is just lots of singles that bring in runs. So I can't really complain about Nico Horner not showing off some power.
1: Yeah, I really like his bat a lot, and um, I, I've I've said that Nika Horner, you know, just give him the job type situation. And I'm pretty sure after our last last episode, when I said that Kipnis got the next start and hit a home run, so <laughs> I'm like, that's fine as long as he's sharing time with somebody else that's productive. I'm good with that. I just really love Nika Horner's defense, um, but I mean, his bat in that lineup just fits perfectly, and I, you know. I never really thought of him as a leadoff because I'm really kind of somebody that's jumped on a, the Chris Bryant train. But with him out of the lineup, I really like maybe trying Horner at that leadoff spot. Um, other than that, I mean, th- from top to bottom, for the most part, it's been a productive. Um, a productive go for these guys. The one thing I wanted to bring up that I did see yesterday is that the DH in National League is hitting like an abysmal like 170 or something. So why not let the pitchers bat? <laughs> like, well like, there, let's Andy. throw a pitcher in there at DH. <laughs> uh, I'm not
0: I don't know. I'm not in for bringing the pitchers back, particularly in the pandemic shortened season. But It'll be interesting for sure. All of this has contributed to the Cubs having a two-and-a-half game lead in the Central. Uh, that is outstanding. The Cubs are currently 7-2, and two, much better than the 2-7 start from last year. And the Kansas City Royals are coming into town. Look, the Royals have not been very good this year. I think they're 3-7. and seven, But they do have some hot bats, including our old friend Jorge Soler, who's been having a great start to his season, and Whit Merrifield, who Andy mentioned in the last podcast andy what are you looking for with the royals coming into town
1: well again this is another series on paper and by the eye test that the cubs should handle and be able to win but again you know we've we've had this happen before baseball will baseball and these guys are on such a tear right now that you kind of don't want to see them take their foot off the gas at all and you feel like that may happen but also Ross, David Ross is their manager and things are different this year. I mean, I've been pleasantly surprised at the way that some of these things have been handled at the hands of the manager. So I don't know. I mean, I, again, on, on paper, this is definitely a series that we should be able to take. And I say series because I'm speaking both games, both locations against Kansas City, but we should take three or four, if not all four. Um, And definitely if our starting pitcher starting pitching can put up what they were putting up the previous series, this should not be um, something that we're we're trying to work our way out of. I mean, I like that we have a two and a half game lead. You I like that we're starting off on top, I think, with this season and who knows where it can go and what can happen. It's probably just safe to just stay up there and not take your foot off the gas and not, you know, start being lackadaisical. This is definitely a season where you never know when another division foe is going to turn it on and, and go on any kind of tear and keep in mind who some of the teams are that we have to play. So um, yeah, I mean, I really like this series to keep us going. Um, I am not comfortable with who we play after this series for health reasons. Um, You know, I always love watching a, a Cubs Cardinals series and, Typically I would be at this series, but being with all the health issues that the Cardinals are experiencing right now, you know, I'd almost rather them take a three day off weekend than risk anybody getting sick um, by playing them. So definitely want to see them keep rolling against Kansas city. And then I guess we'll wait and see what MLB decides for this coming weekend.
0: Yeah. So the probable pitching matchups here, the Cubs are going to roll With Alec Mills, who has uh, since been named the adjunct professor because his stuff kind of looks a lot like Kyle Hendricks. And then they're going to roll with Kyle Hendricks for the second game. Kyle Hendricks has continued to just dominate at Wrigley Field, which is really interesting because he hasn't quite been that same player on the road, but this start will be at Wrigley, so I guess we don't have to worry about that too much. Mills will be facing off with Danny Duffy, who's a left-handed pitcher who really struggled his first time out. And Hendricks will be facing off against Brady Singer, who looked pretty solid in his um, last outing with the Royals. He's actually had two solid starts already this year. With a, he has a three point six ERA that he'll be bringing in to Wrigley Field. The pitchers have not been announced for Wednesday and Thursday's game. Although I imagine that the Cubs are just going to stick with the rotation that they've been rolling out there. You Darvish, then Tyler Chatwood. Um, and then TBA, what happens with the Cardinals on Friday, we will be back on either Thursday afternoon or on Friday morning uh, to preview that series and up uh, to review what happened against the Royals. We'll just see, I mean, I, I don't know. I I agree with Andy. Like, you cannot play that game if it's those games if it's a health risk. I do not want to see the Cubs have to deal with a COVID outbreak because the Cardinals can't have can't get their team under control. Whether that series happens or not, we will have everything you need to know about Cubs Royals and maybe Cubs Cardinals here at Cup of Cubby Blue. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore blue. And we are both at Cup of Cubby Blue, here with all of your Cubs, news, updates, and series by series banter. Until next time, bye.